it wouldn't be the Springboks, but I think it's going to be a no, very Springboks tough don't really watch our but... show, so you kind of have to say it's Ireland, or else we're just going to cut your internet connection. House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe. Game changed. Hello and welcome to House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe. We're going to cover that Ulster Challenge Cup semi-final defeat to Leicester Tigers later, and get journalist Brendan Nell on from South Africa to talk Lions. But let's get straight into the Leinster game. The Leinster game uh, v La Rochelle, we just saw the end of their Mads. 32-23 to, to La Rochelle away. It was always going to be a really big challenge, but I don't think probably, well, we certainly, I didn't anyway, see that coming and see that like as convincing a victory for um, La Rochelle to unfold. Yeah, I, like, I think they, they were quite cagey at the start. Um, but once they got into the into their game, got their power game going, started moving the ball, you know, creating one on ones. You know, they just had some huge guys in their team, and they were able to you know keep creeping over the gain line. We obviously saw you know Leinster get a lot of penalties in the first half, but once that tide turned in the second half, it was it was pretty unrelenting. Yeah, I kind of looked at the start of the game and I thought. Was this going to turn into one of these French performances where they were just going to keep giving away penalties? Because the first probably 10, 15 minutes, Leinster were kind of all over them. I think the stat there around 15 minutes in was 73% possession to, to, to Leinster. So they were starving La Rochelle of the ball. But then when they were going through multiple phases, La Rochelle were giving away silly penalties, getting caught on the wrong side, you know, having extra. Um, jabs at the ball when the referee was telling them to get their hands off. So um, Leinster did start very well going 7-up. Yeah, like starting going 7-up and then you get a guy in the sim bin, you know, looking back, you know, they really needed to score again there. You know, it actually ended up being 7-6 by the time he's, or he's come back on. You know, if they push that out to even 10-0 or 14-0, that's a very different game in a semi-final. Um, but yeah, look, it was... It was it was disappointing. There's no getting away from it. You know, it's 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 hard to kind of go. Well, what could we have done differently? When you get overpowered by a side like that, it's very very hard. Yeah, the last couple of seasons, I suppose, La Rochelle have been this side that have been unbelievably exciting. You know, you heard Ron Nogara talking about during the week, and a few people taking the Mickey out of him about the KBA as if it was um, this revolutionary <laughs> kind of uh, you know yeah. acronym. So, but in fairness. I felt Leinster actually kind of cut, shut that down. So in, a, in another way, I think that was even more impressive from La Rochelle that they found other ways to, to keep getting over the gain line. They did go after the seam of the Leinster defence a few times. They yeah. picked and went a few times. They um, had some great little plays off that nine. Kerr Bar- Barlow, I, I did think himself and Ihea uh, West had outstanding matches in fairness. Very much so. No, they controlled it really well. Um, yeah, like those little picks around the rook, you know, people don't realise that that actually shortens the line and creates more space. And, you know, you've got to, you want your 10, 20, 30 to have kind of reasonably good spacing. Hmm. You know, with those little picks right by the rook, teams have to then tighten up. You're basically going with an extra defender in that, you know, shorter space, which is then going to create more space on the edge. And once, once they shortened the Leinster line and went to the edge, they, I thought they were very good. Yeah, the, the the kickoff seemed to be causing havoc mm. for the La Rochelle. The, the, the receiver of that seemed to be the right winger the whole time. The sun was glaring into his eyes 
and they were actually probably lucky not to give away a score from that as well. At yeah. one stage towards the end, he almost turned his back on the ball, which I'd say Raj was essentially broke his computer up in that yeah. in that the press room. Yeah, like did you think as did you think even like on sixty minutes, you think Lancer could still do it, or what was your kind of feel of watching it? I I I thought they were finding it hard to find ways back into the game because, as you said, there once like this is the biggest game in, in La Rochelle's history, and they you know mm. from the journey they've gone on, getting up to um, the top fourteen, um, and recruiting all these great players. You know Victor Vito, you know the two halfbacks we just mentioned there, Antonio. Like these, just e even there's a, a a number of the top French internationals that are there yeah. as well. So in the past, they kind of had this, they built a culture of a team that, of probably players that were somewhat unknown. They still have their captain yeah. who is, is there, he's been there for the long haul, but um, it's been a pretty impressive journey for them. And it, obviously you've got that side plot of Ron Nogara, the ex-Munster man. You know, yeah. there's a, you know, I'm sure a high level of respect with a deep hatred for Leinster there. I'd say it was particularly nice for him and then John O'Gibbs, ex-Leinster coach, um, you know, winning, you know, it's a seriously um, impressive coach and um, your glittering career with Leinster, the amount of trophies he won. So it must have been extra nice for those guys to be involved to to knock out this, um, you know, highly talented Leinster team. Yeah, I, I think the Leinster team, what's hurt them is that it's been a disjointed few months. Like if you look at what games they've had the opportunity of having, they're like full 15 starters out you look at the league final was one of the days the exeter match was another one then you've got guys like obviously johnny was out which was a big loss gary's only coming back to fitness james ryan's only coming back to fitness mm. you know robbie hasn't been able to play alongside gary for example mm. um and i i think it showed you know i think it they it looked like a few of those guys just hadn't got enough rugby under their belts um and you know, even just to have had one more game to lead in, like like you know, tr what happens on a traditional season, you've got one game leading into a European to kind of tee up, mm. and like they didn't have that. You know, you could see the side that was put out last week against Munster was was very much a mixed side. They didn't play particularly well, so you're not carrying any momentum into the game. Yeah, I agree. I think that. <clears throat> The other impressive thing I thought from La Rochelle was that they're giving away an awful lot of penalties, and you're going, oh, you know, they're just going to are they this talented French side that when push comes to shove, they're going to keep getting pinged in a big match. A team like Leinster that doesn't give away many penalties and thrives yeah. off teams that do. And I thought the impressive part of that was how good they were keeping Leinster out because, yeah, some of their decision making was sloppy, sloppy around the rook initially, and they gave away penalties. But the more and more that the game wore on, they made some great decisions there. You had Victor Vito uh, causing havoc. You obviously had Skelton, Antonio, knocking a few of the boys behind the gain line. And then the sub-French hooker, Pierre Bourguery, had, had, three, had three turnovers, like a couple of really quick... The one when Porter comes in, like Porter's one of the strongest guys playing the game. He's come in and given him everything to mm. get him off the ball. And your man hasn't budged. Mm. Like, that was... And that was at a really crucial time in the game as well. Mm. Like, you know, you go from, let's say, your halfway line up to the edge of the 22, you know, you've put together a really good passage of play and then, bang, turnover, and you're back on, you know, you're suddenly defending a line at your own 10. Like, mm. that massively takes the wind out of your sails. 
I think it's the I think it's the biggest part of Leinster's game as well when they're winning and playing their best is a, a team would only get maybe one or two turnovers against yeah. them at the ruck time because they're in there so quick you know in numbers you know really physical clean outs um, with low body positions and I think the fact that the La Rochelle forwards started to get access in there it just grew their confidence and it meant that when Leinster in the second half playing up the hill kind of into the sun and they were going through a number of phases you had the the, the likes of, of the, the number of those guys at Gregory Aldred as well at a brilliant game just getting over the game and just stopping that momentum that yeah. we're building. Yeah, like that comes back to my my original point of they just looked a bit disjointed. Like that's what you get from playing, you know, a, a run of two, three, four, five games with a group that you know you know what movement the guy beside you is going to do, and that's the difference. Like between half a second of getting to the rook and clearing, you know, winning the space before even someone gets over it, or not really knowing exactly where the person's going to go, small bit of doubt, you're a fraction high, they're over the ball. And with the rules now, like once you, once you lose the space, you're giving away a penalty or you're losing the ball. Yeah, because initially you're thinking, you know, have La Rochelle lost the ref early? Because yeah. they gave away a number of penalties, the seven gets binned, and you're going, you know, will that work against them later on in the game? Mm. But they tidied up... Um, some of the stuff they were doing in fairness and then obviously Leinster got that yellow card and I think James Lowe had his, had his feet on the ball trying to slow it down. Yeah. Thankfully, well that didn't actually cost Leinster in the end on the scoreboard but really it just, um, it meant that La Rochelle were holding on to the ball for longer periods of time and probably tiring out the Leinster defenders. Yeah. Did you think that was a yellow card? Like for me, I think he's kind of, the guy's holding them in. I know, I know you, mm. something I don't like is that holding a guy in a bad position. Like it's just, yeah, I think that they didn't really do a replay of it. It was just yeah. a, a yellow very quickly because, you know, La Rochelle had gone through a number of phases. They were in the red zone there. They're, yeah. you know, in a great position to score. I think, you know, the ref, is he looking to kind of balance the books? Uh, La Rochelle had been on top. Because I, I didn't see a replay of what actually happened, but what the commentator said, I think it was, um, yeah, uh, Bron Driscoll said that he had his feet on the ball so the nine couldn't get it. So obviously yeah. the, the referee spotted that. That's cynical, then it's a yellow, yeah. Yeah, but back to Ronan O'Gara, I suppose, as well, and that Irish influence, which is, you know, I'm gutted for the Leinster lads that they've lost because they're in search of that fifth, fifth, fifth star under Stuart Lancaster and probably a bit of a pattern of the past couple of seasons as they've been flying in the pool games mm. and then they just get taken out. Like, you know, you had Saracens, obviously, in the quarter and then um, La Rochelle, in fairness, were, were um, you know, full worth for their victory today. Yeah, do you think one of the issues is that Leinster aren't getting enough challenging games in the league, and then it's it's almost now too big a step up. Not 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 too big a step for them. The step up in quality from the Pro Fourteen to Europe. Do you think that that's an issue? I probably thought it was an issue going into the Saracens game because I didn't think we had had a big enough challenge there. Yeah. But like if you wind back a few weeks, and I, to be honest, I don't think Exeter are the team they were when they won it last year. But but, but at the same time, huge challenge going away, and that was you know, what a performance by Leinster there for sixty five minutes after coming back from fourteen nil yeah. down. So that was a big test. You know, yeah. the Munster final was a big test. You know, that's as good as you can get in in the Pro fourteen really. So I'm not so sure that 
is is an excuse. I feel maybe La Rochelle on the day were better, and and, and I'm I'm probably I was surprised at just how well they performed, and and you know easing into the game, and I was probably naive, not looking at the likes of Victor Vito, even those two halfbacks we talked about, like people in the northern hemisphere that follow rugby might not be aware just how experienced those guys are from from their super rugby you know yeah. um quality that they've had you know they've been with some of the best teams down there and that nine has around 20 caps for the all blacks coming yeah. off the bear in mind coming off the bench but um you know you go through the foreigners they have on their team you know pulling Brice Dulan from from Racing like it's a star studded side yeah no and like they've a huge budget like some of those french sides they're their budget could be 30 million, you know, um, and I think Leinster is something like seven or eight. It's, there's a big difference there, and you can see that with the, the quality that they're able to recruit with, like even someone like Will Skelton. Like, mm. yeah, it looked like some of the guys out there today look like boys up against him, and mm. <laughs> I, I'd look a boy look like a boy up against them, you know. Mm. So it's it's um, it's tough, but I, I think on their day, Leinster know that they can, that we can still, you know, beat teams like La Rochelle away from home. Mm. But it, you know, it is disappointing all the same. Remember playing against Will Skelton when he was lining out for Australia in November, November two thousand and thirteen, I think it was, and I'd, I'd never played it against as big a human in my life. He was just so. So big and fair play to him. He's you know he's gone from a successful, really successful Saracen side. He's won a Heineken Cup, and it's, I'm sure a lot of players can go to France and you know they can maybe drink a little bit too much wine, eat a bit too much bread, and just get used to that slower pace at the top 14. But to be fair, he was still going at 65 minutes yeah. there today. Now it's very impressive. He's um, it looks like he's actually lost a small bit of weight. He's you know possibly trimmed down, um, but geez, he moves well for someone of his size. Yeah, because yeah. I looked at the game going, you know, I think we had, we had talked about it last week and on, on, on last week's show about how Leinster would go after and how they could pull them apart. And, you know, I, I mentioned that maybe in the last 15, 20 minutes that if it was a dry day, which it was, Leinster, you know, got into that shape where they started, you yeah. know, m- moving them wide to wide and, and, and um, tiring them out. But I suppose because La Rochelle were making so many strong decisions at the breakdown and knocking them behind the gain line, um, they couldn't really get into that multi-phase shape no. to do that to them. It was, it didn't suit Leinster in the way that the game was actually quite stop-start. There was a lot of penalties, you know, which gives team teams a breather. You know, um, it's going to take you know 15, 20, 30 seconds to kick the ball to touch, get the line out set. You know, it, the the first half for me didn't get going. So, you know, a lot of the time when I'm on the bench and I'm watching the game, I, I want to see what kind of speed is is in the match that you're mm. thinking right the guys are going to be exhausted when I'm coming on here, this is going to be perfect, or, mm. geez, it's been really slow, you know, and, and it can also mean that there's a less likely chance of getting on as well, because players aren't going to fatigue as much. Yeah, you, you know, that Ronan O'Gara side plot that I mentioned as well earlier on, like, just how happy is he going to be? Because the journey he's been on as a coach since he finished up has been, you know, a pretty brave one to go into some environments, mm. you know, obviously going to... to to Racing initially, and then going down to the Crusaders and just picking up, he's probably just picked up so much knowledge. Like what a intelligent guy, you know, what an intelligent mind, uh, rugby mind from his playing days. It was very very different when you move over to the other side of the fence as a coach, and I think it's impressive how he's done it. You know, going to these different environments, you know, bringing his family down to New Zealand, mm. um, you know, coming back up back to France and. Um, 
you know, after signing that three-year extension, delighted to, to I am delighted to see it going well for him. Yeah, no, look, it, it was it was a great day for Raj, and as you said, like what's been really impressive is how he's got the team playing. It also looks like they really play for him. You know, mm. they, they look like a really tight team. Mm. Um, anytime you're 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 hearing snippets in the media, you know, it sounds like a very happy camp. You know, whatever way he's got the schedule, you know, I'm sure it's a good place to be and uh, mm. very enjoyable. It's also enjoyable playing that brand of rugby, you know. How could it not be running, yeah. off, running off Skelton's shoulder through gaps? It'd be, be all right. But yeah. Raj, yeah, Raj, what an interesting guy. What a great guy. But I think as well for him, the fact that, you know, a lot of people have been talking about him, you know, when is he going to come back to Ireland? You know, will he get involved in the Irish team? You know, him and Paul O'Connell is at the dream coaching ticket. Um, you know, back to Munster. He's the, you know, I'm sure everyone will start talking now. You know, they've got to get him back for what he's doing. But I think he's doing it the right way. You know, he's biding his time because it really, if he rushes back to Ireland, it's probably a bit of a cul-de-sac for him because where does he go then? Like, if it doesn't go yeah. well. So, uh, you know, him with this Larishal side, who, who, who knows? They could go on and beat Toulouse in this final, but um, it's a good path he's gone down coaching-wise. Yeah, yeah, I was... I wasn't overly surprised to see him extend. Like he's, you know, his family are set up over in, in France. A lovely place to live. Um, and as you said, coming back could lead, could have let him down. Called a sack. You know, not saying that it, it wouldn't have been successful for him. But if you're happy where he's at, you know, keep going. Sign another. You know, I think he signed another two or three years. Um, and then weigh up his options off the back of that. But um, I think as well when you've been on a kind of a project and it's only coming to fruition now it's very hard to jump ship you know mm. just as it's about to bear fruit so mm. um yeah no it'll be, it'll be interesting following them now over the next few seasons yeah he did an interview i think it was a couple of weeks ago or it could have been after the sale yeah it would have been a couple of weeks ago so after the sale game in the quarter and it was a really impressive performance by larishelle and they asked him about how things were going, you know, why is it going so well on BT, they're asking questions. And what Raj did say, which I found interesting, but not a surprise with him, he said he's coaching these French guys. You went over and played there, Mads, right? And mm. I know Johnny went over and played there. And a lot of the stuff over there could be very frustrating when you come from an environment like a Leinster or, you know, a Munster or Ulster. Kind of, you know, a very structured, you know, Irish way of, 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 of playing because not the biggest men, you know, we played the... the the, I think the teams here get the most out of the players and there's high standards on and off the field and it isn't those high standards when you go over to France and what Raj said was he said uh, I've tried to coach the, the I've tried to get to know the individual and coach the individual before I start coaching the team and I thought it was a really um, interesting point because I can imagine him just getting close to the likes of say Antonio that tight head yeah. you know you could, you'd be probably getting close to this guy wondering how am I going to get the best out of him how am I going to get him to want to win a scrum penalty on 60 minutes. Not, how am we going to get him not to want to walk back after the ball has been kicked? Yeah. And he seems to have cracked that somehow. Yeah, and it's kind of sign of his intelligence, you know, and his, um, his personal skills, that he's building those individual relationships with all the, you know, with all the players. And he's, um, you know, as we said, you, you can see that, that the, the players are playing for him. They look happy like him. You know, you know, we, we know from playing with Raj, He's a very kind of positive guy to be around. He's an enjoyable person to be in the in the company of. Yeah. You know, 
so I'm sure it's you know it's great having him as coach, and he's so captivating. I'm sure at the front of the room in meetings, you know he's yeah. he's got great wit as well. So yeah, he could t- he could be just telling you that the sky is blue, but you have everyone you know yeah. hanging, out, hanging off the edge of their seat. Exactly, yeah. he just yeah. has that way about him. Yeah, the way, the no. way he talks. But um, yeah, on the Leinster side as well, I suppose you know it is bitterly disappointing, but I think they they've had a fantastic season. You know, lifting the Pro 14 again, um, but they will be good at about that. I, I do think that you know it's unfortunate that a couple of the Leinster guys as well maybe won't get another chance to stick their hand up in like a really high-profile game now for you know, going into this Lions tour. Yeah, like of the guys in the Leinster squad, like I think Tyg is obviously nailed on. Yeah, you know, who else? Who else do you think is is going to be in with a good chance on Thursday? Well, I think Johnny will go. Yeah, you know, and he's yeah. he wasn't considered for for selection for that game because he had had a head knock. But he will go if he's fit. So it'd be you know you'd imagine it'd be Tyg himself. You know, I I do think James Ryan should go. Uh, mm. I think that um, yeah, he hasn't had that much game time, and it was it was a tough day for the Leinster pack today because they probably got outplayed by the La Rochelle side over the course of eighty minutes. But I think the quality he's shown over the last couple of years. And I know he missed most of the Six Nations, but I think you've got to bring him as well. Um, the other one was Ronan Kelleher. I think that I think he could go as a bolter for me. I think it's an outside yeah. bet, but I, I don't think you know Ken Owens. Obviously, Gatlin knows him so well. Ken Owens but, will go, I think. Well, Ken Owens will go, yeah, but I just yeah. think as a bolter there, there, there is a, the doors open at hooker really. You know, for for someone else to go, no, no, no one else has been outstanding. You've had Cowan Dickey and Jamie George. Chopping and changing. Um, yeah, I don't think the Scottish hookers really stuck their hand up, you know, that much. So I think Ronan could, you know, be in with a chance to go because he's because he has that size and he's so quick as well, very good over the ball. Yeah, I don't know enough about like the intricacies of playing hooker, but you know, Rob Herring's gone well as well, so he's got to be, you know, he was starting ahead of him for Ireland, which you know is. Says a lot in itself, mm. you know, and he he ha- he has played well. He you know he played well again on Friday night. Um, Robbie's gonna go. Sorry, we were oh, yeah, Robbie Henshaw will go. Robbie so. will go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then again, sorry, another. Sorry, I was saying Rob Herring there, for, at hooker. Yeah, Rob oh, Herring. Sorry, could, yeah, Robbie yeah. Herring could yeah. be in the mix, but we I think we've we probably definitely left out Robbie. That's oh, yeah, yeah, should yeah. definitely go from Gary. I think is having a good chance as well. Yeah, you know, certainly those injuries the... have obviously been a bit of a setback. You know, he wasn't at his best. Like he'd say that today himself, but. Not that he had a bad game, mm. but you know, Gary in European semi-finals, that's when you know he's he's at his very best, and we've seen seen that over the last few years. But I still think, Robin yeah, with Gary, George North gone, like I think Gary, yeah. is, Gary could be in with a good chance of going because it's disappointing for a few of those guys. Obviously, you want to win the Hiding Cup, but it's this shop window now. You know, for for those guys that don't get that shop window now, in in what is as close to. A test match, or yeah. probably you know, essentially a test match club club wise in the Champions Cup final, but he won't get the opportunity to showcase there. But in the you know the Rainbow Cup, there could be you know, I'm sure Gatland will be looking at those games as well. Yeah, like I think we've got two interpros now, and then two more regular season games in the Rainbow Cups. So there's only there's only four games net left, and then I think it's maybe a final. So it's you know we're on the home stretch of the se- of the season now. Yeah, you've got, um, you know, the other Leinster guys we probably left out that could be in with outside chances as well would be, you know, Hugo Keenan's had a very strong Six Nations. 
it was tough for the Leinster backs today because they, they weren't presented with that much space. Yeah. I think over the course of the season, you know, he's got to be in the conversation as well. Yeah, like obviously Hogg's going to go. Um, the fact that he co- that he covers wing as well, you know, he's he's a good option. He he he's one who's going to be right on the line. It's going to be very close. Yeah, it will be. There's some big decisions there, and I'm sure everyone will be watching closely leading into Thursday. The other semi-final then between your old mates Bordeaux and Toulouse. What did you make of that? Well, like it was very difficult conditions. You know, it was wet. Um, Wet and windy. I always thought Toulouse, you know, looked like the side that were going to win it. They're just a bit more experience. Um, Bordeaux actually, unfortunately, had a good few injuries leading into the game. You know, mm. the team that played Racing and had a great win at home was actually very different to the team that played against Toulouse. And some really key guys um, out, like the likes of Lamarat in, in in the midfield. Mm. You know, they end up having to go with a, quite a young. Guy, he was in the academy when I was there. He's a good player, but you know he wouldn't um, Uberti. He wouldn't have anything like the experience that um, Lamarat would have. But yeah, like the the quality of those Toulouse halfbacks, like even in those poor weather, like they just were able to figure it out really well. And Jalibert is a great player for Bordeaux, but they didn't quite have the power up front to to get him that front football to get his game going. Really, Bordeaux were a bit of a surprise package to be in the last four. Being honest, like I, they were for me anyway. You know, yeah. I think on a dry day there in that level, that that you know, a match of that kind of magnitude, I think that Toulouse would have pulled away a bit more there. Yeah, um, if the weather was better, they could have definitely. But um, now, look, in fairness to Bordeaux, like they had a great year last year. Leading into the lockdown, they were leading the top fourteen. So, you know, they've obviously they've lost um, Samuel Rada to. Bristol, which is a big loss, like you build a team around him. Um, but now, be a cracking final. Who do you fancy for the final? I think Toulouse are going to go on and win their fifth, mm. fifth European title. Yeah, I, I think La Rochelle will, will struggle to back up that level of performance again. And yeah. Toulouse are coming off a kind of average performance and on a wet day. I think that um, with everyone fit, I think you know. It's going to be a it's going to be a cracking um, battle at half back there because I was really impressed with yeah. the, with those the t- those two Kiwis today, West and and Kerbarlo yeah. and you know you've got Dupont and Intermac as you mentioned, you know Dupont yeah. running that beautiful inside line again that he just he picks up you know it's a try every second game really yeah. for him doing that. He's possibly the best player in the world at the moment. Yeah, he could be. Yeah, and who would you who would you back? What do you think for for Twiggy? Yeah, I, th- I think. I think Toulouse will deserve it if they win it. You know, they've been building. They've got close um, the last couple of seasons. If La Rochelle clicked, though, like they're, we saw today, like when they're on, they're really impressive. So it's definitely teeing up to be a, a cracking final where both sides really look to play. It's not like, you know, it's going it's to be a kick fest. These teams are going to go out and play and move the ball around. So it should be a great watch. Off oh, it's dry, it's gonna be yeah. it could be one of the one of the games of the season. But before we move on to talk about the Challenge Cup, just to let you all know, our next episode will be on Thursday evening and we'll be reacting to the Lions squad announcement and getting the take from South Africa too. Keep an eye out for that on YouTube on your favourite podcast feed. So we are gonna move on to the Challenge Cup now, unfortunately, Mads, and you know, Leicester are getting the better 
of Ulster over there. What what did you make of the game? You know, as an overview, kind of. Yeah, it was very much a game of two halves. Like we went to plan in the first half. We came in. I think we were seventeen six up. Um, had a lot of the territory, a lot of possession. You know, we'd managed their momentum well. It's kind of a feeling like that if we got the next score, that that should should be it. You know, if you push that out to twenty to six or you know twenty three six, it's a long road back in mm. the semi final. But um, in fairness to Leicester, they kind of changed their tactics at half time. They got their power game going. Their side, like when they get into your twenty two, they're very tough to stop. Like mm. they've got some big guys. They got Nadolo on the ball a few times, getting one on ones with our backs. Ticking well for the road, like yeah. And then unfortunately, you know, John had the had the collision with Nadolo, which um, unfortunately he was knocked out, and then Elby had to come on. It's tough on Elby because he's hasn't played a whole lot the last, you know, the last probably six mm. weeks, and then you're being thrown into a semi-final, um, and it was look, it was one of those games where a lot of it came down to box kicking um, and kick chase, and you know, while it went reasonably well in the first half, they started winning the aerial battle. Mm. And then managed to get access to our twenty-two off off the back of either winning the area battle, getting penalties, and getting down there. Um, and you know, any time they had opportunities, they got points. You know, and I, I thought George Ford had a cracking game. It was one of the best performances at out half I've seen in quite a while. Um, just controlled it really well. Kept putting the ball in front of their big pack. Mm. Kept the scoreboard ticking over. Like even just you know stepping up and taking. A drop goal, three points. You know, they, they go from the halfway line up to the twenty-two. Bang, three points back. You know, mm. it's in a, in a semi-final like that. It's a real killer. Like you just feel like it's you know unrelenting. Mm. Um, but no, look, it was it was very disappointing for us. It was a, it was a great opportunity to to win a win a trophy, um, and we made it clear that we we wanted to go after the the Challenge Cup. Um, small but unfortunate that we've had to play three games away. On you know on the road with Harlequins, Northampton, and and, and then Leicester. But um, look, we know on our day that that was a game that we we could have and probably should have won. Yeah, I think those experienced guys probably showed their value. You know, for for Leicester, I think you know Wigglesworth even in that first forty. You know, I, I think even strategically him for them in their dressing room leading into the game, very very clever guy. You know, after yeah. being in that Saracen side of picking sides apart where they're weak, where you go after them. And then you had Ben Young's coming in off the bench, which is probably a good decision from Borthwick because he was like a man possessed. Yeah. You know, he, he really got them going. I there. played well. He, like he just is, his ability of the two of them to find space in the backfield, you know, either it's like topper kicks over the rock or forward, like he's such a wide wide range of kicks. Um it's very hard to, to manage the backfield. But look like looking back on the the season, I know there's obviously a few games left to go, but it still has been a positive year for the club. Like, if you look at our league season, we've only lost to one side, albeit twice, and, and it is Leinster. But um, we've brought through a lot of young young players. Like, you look at in the backs, like someone like James Hume, who's very much had a breakthrough season. I know he's played in previous years. Mikey Larry and other guys, like they've strung together kind of twenty plus performances. Um, and then in the in the pack, like the likes of Dave McCann, Callum Reid, Tom O'Toole stepping up. You know, there's um it is exciting mm. going forward for Ulster and you know, I'm confident that they can definitely win trophies in, in the 
in the, in the future. Yeah, it's it's another step. It's disappointing, I'm sure, for you. But you know, you do forget that those younger guys getting exposure to, you know, what it really what it really takes to win. Yeah. Knock at European games because you're saying Hume there, but even you know Michael Larry is still a young guy. Yeah. You know, he's still a young guy. You know, Rob Balakun had a brilliant season. He's coming back off that long injury. Yeah. You know, you, you know McElroy, Will Addison is now fit again. Like really, when you were playing, I felt your best rugby, and he was fit. He is at the forefront of everything the good that happens. Yeah. For Ulster, Will. Yeah. Yeah, Will's very silky. Like I've. I hadn't obviously played with Will. He came over to Ireland just after I'd left. Um, but yeah, just even seeing him, how he moves and training, real silky runner. He's got you know really nice skills. Um, it was tough on him as well. Like you know, he's 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 only played what like twenty minutes leading into a semi final. Twenty minutes and the guts of a year and a half or whatever, however long he's been out. Um, but when he gets you know a run of games, he's going to be incredibly important for. For Ulster, and he's a really key guy in that backline. Yeah, you talked about those young guys that you know have played so well and got these experiences that that will, I'm sure, stand to them. But then you have Nakarawa coming in mm. this summer, which will be a great addition for you guys. Because I think this is, I'm sure you might not be able to say this because you're you're playing with them. But I feel that like Ulster have really strong second rows, but a lot of them. Kind of they do the same kind of thing, and I know Henderson's outstanding. He should go to the Lions, uh, and you know Treadwell is brilliant. Alan O'Connor's played great for a number of seasons, but Nakarawa just brings something special that, that uh, like you you're losing a Coatsia, yeah, who has this workload and you know twenty carries, twenty tackles, and he gets over the game because he's that big a man. And bringing someone like Nakarawa in, who is a big man, and he brings something different, I'm sure will be gracious. Yeah, like he's the kind of guy. And the way the game has gone, there's you know less and less space nearly every year. Like defenses are harder to break down. He's the kind of guy you can pull a rabbit out of his hat. You know, mm. he's he, his offloading game is incredible. His ability to ride a tackle, get the ball away. You know, and I'm sure that we'll be doing a lot of work on you know getting trail runners in behind them. You know he'll carry it up and then try and slip a you know an offload away. Sure, you'll be sneaking off his shoulder. Absolutely, for, yeah. for, for most get in for five meters. <laughs> Very good. Well, that that's all for part one. We'll be back in just a moment, and we'll be chatting to South African journalist Brendan Nell. House of Rugby Ireland. Tell us what you think by comment and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. That's the way it goes. Brendan, thanks for joining us. Uh, how's all down in South Africa? Good, yeah, we're in a bit of a cold snap. Not cold by you guys' standards, but by South African standards, about 14 degrees, so it's a bit chilly over here for us this time of year. We'd be shorts and t-shirt in that weather here. <laughs> yeah, as you can see, I'm, I've got a, a jumper on Yeah, It's quite cool for us, so. So, Brendan, some Rainbow Cup action this weekend. The Stormers beat the, the Sharks despite uh, two red cards there. What did you make of the game? Well, I, th- I thought the interesting thing has been that the ball's been a lot in play then. The difference in South African teams um, from when we came back from after COVID now has been a lot more expensive rugby, which has been quite interesting. And uh, I think you might see that a lot more when it comes to the Springboks this year than what you used to been a real push over the last couple of months to play a lot more expensive game and a high tempo game which is 
the interesting has been embraced and was you know, display in Cape Town yesterday. Uh, even though we had that those two red cards, which uh, made the game rather strange at times, but uh, the team that got two red cards finished with more players on the field than the team that didn't get the red cards. That's <laughs> quite strange. If you were to grade the uh, the four South African sides, obviously, um, you know, good friend and, and, and player from Ulster, Marcel's going to the Bulls and they've made some great signings. Of the other, or of the four sides, how would you grade them? I think if you, if you look at them at full strength, I mean, if we're talking about all their players available, um, I think the Bulls will probably be the top right now. Um, a toss-up between the Sharks and the Stormers, a very close second, and then a bit of a distance to the Lions, who are really much, very much in the rebuilding phase at the moment. So I think they'd be a, a fourth, the fourth side there. And like for hopes next year in the Rainbow Cup, obviously it's disappointing what happened this year, but how do you think they'll fare? Like, Do you think that the Bulls will be good enough to compete at the very top? Well, I think they can. Those teams have shown against, well, against the Southern Hemisphere sides when we played them. You can go up head-to-head with the New Zealand teams. Obviously, it's going to, I think it's going to be a different challenge. And, and like a lot of the, the... I was speaking to the Cheetahs coach the other day, and you're saying the biggest thing for the South African teams is going to be getting used to practicing in summer sort of conditions and then flying on a Tuesday and getting to a, a freezing uh, you know, island or, or Scotland on a Wednesday and then having to play in that weather on a Saturday. So I think it might take them a little while just to get used to those conditions and just that change and to get their mindset right. But um, I don't see why they won't do well. Um, it'd be interesting to me to see how they go against top sides like Leinster and, and Munster and Ulster. But um, I think definitely some of the other sides, they should have quite easy beating. Yeah, well, it, you're, it's a great uh, addition to the, the competition because the reality is this year, it, it hasn't been a good league season. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the, the two conferences, you've got you know Leinster and, and Munster up the top and then the other one, you've got Munster and Connacht, and then there's you know quite a drop off, which you know isn't good for yeah. a league. You want it to be competitive. Um, now I think a lot of those teams will actually improve greatly next year. A lot of those teams, you know, had a tough year this year, but yeah. you know, international the international windows are at you know different times, and that hurts certain teams far more than others. The Irish squads are are, are considerably bigger than some of the other squads in in the in the tournament. Um, but the the addition of the South African sides is is very welcome, and there's there's great excitement here about it. I think that uh, and over here as well. I think I think one of the big things for us is going to be um, you, you see already teams the South African teams are starting to try and get players back from overseas who in the past they really wouldn't have bothered. And Marcel's a good example. Uh, in the past, they would let him see his pension off in. Ulster and then you know not worried about bringing him back but they're looking to bring those players back with that sort of experience to bolster the teams and uh, I think that's good for the game it's good for the youngsters coming through in South Africa to play with that sort of experience and just to get that sort of experience back of, of European conditions is going to be great for this team. Yeah, it's nice for the Pro 14 teams in the Northern Hemisphere as well to have a couple of nice away trips planned, you know, heading over to Cape Town to play the Stormers is probably better than, you know, just no disrespect to heading to Port Elizabeth, you know, and playing the Kings. There's probably not a whole lot to do in Port Elizabeth, so that'll be a welcomed away trip, I'd say, for you lads. Yeah, Cape Town. Cape Town's incredible. One of the great cities. Um, 
but also it's nice. It kind of breaks up our season. I don't know how, the, how they're going to work it. I presume you'll pr- probably play two games in South Africa, maybe. Is that, I think it's, you know, the schedule's not out, but I, I can't imagine you're going to be going over and back, you know, on a, every no. other week. I, I think with the... What they probably do is, is is very much similar to what they do with the Cheetahs and the Kings that yeah. they have a two-game trip. I think anything more than that becomes a bit taxing for the, for the teams as well. So um, they have two trips to South Africa, I reckon, probably in the season. Great, yeah. And moving on to the Lions, obviously with the season that's ha- been had with COVID, you could see watching the, the game with, you know, with the Sharks yesterday, it, it looked to me like they were guys that hadn't played a whole lot of rugby. Um, is there much concern leading into the Lions tour that the South African team haven't played enough? I think definitely. And I think the biggest concern is that we haven't had a variety of rugby. I mean, I think you guys know very well. As you've, I think the Irish um, teams are probably sick of playing each other as well at this moment. Uh, you play against your mates the whole time. You know them so well. You don't really get to experiment and do other things. And, and those challenges that the different nations bring to this sort of contest, I think that is the concern. Uh, plus, the Springboks haven't played since the World Cup final. So that's that's a huge concern for us. And, and a year out of test rugby is, is huge for any player um, and for a coach, to be very honest. But um, one the one good part about it is if you've got a coach that's a thinking coach, it's Rossi Erasmus. And uh, I think they've been hard at work. They've been having camps uh, we'll have to see. They'll probably have one or two uh, warm-up tests as well. Uh, who they're going to be against, we still don't know. They're talking about French barbarians and and uh, and the USA. Um, and hopefully those tests come off. They're going to need some practice before they go in against the Lions. Yeah, and speaking of Razzie there, you know, the fact that Jack Neambar is head coach, you know, is, is, is Razzie still extremely hands-on there or what way does he do it? We had a couple of guys on we had uh, Peter Steffa Toy, and we had Eben Estebeth, and we had the Beast on as well. Actually, so we've had a number of South African guys on. But from your perspective, you can probably say a bit more than the lads can. You know, does Razzie, you know, is he is very hands on, or does he delegate the the kind of power and and um, down to the people around him? Well, I think I think there's a bit of both. Uh, I think when it comes to the Test match sort of season, Razzie will be there, and he'll be next to Jacques, and they'll, they'll be operating as a team as they've they've done together for the last 20 years in, at various levels of the game. Um, I think where, where, it's, where it's changed is that where it's out of season. Rossi's got other responsibilities as director of rugby and got other things he's got to concentrate on, the referees, women's game, things like that. And then he can delegate all that stuff to the coaches to go around to the teams and talk to the players. When it comes to the test season, I think they're going to be hands-on like that. And especially now with the Lions, I can't see him being anywhere else but in that coaching coaching box and be on the training field. And what's the story with fans down there? What, what is the talk on the street about, you know, the idea of, of having fans at games, even, you know, reduced, you know, reduced number? Well, th- there's a strong argument from, from SA Rugby. They want fans back. They want at least 50% if they can. Obviously, financially, you can understand that whole argument. The problem comes again is it's, it's the government's hesitancy and, Obviously, they have other information that we have. Um, cases in South Africa with COVID are down to about a thousand, thousand five hundred on average day, which is which is a long way. In January, it was in tw- in the twenty thousands, um, so it's gone down quite a bit. The vaccine program has been lagging behind, unfortunately. Um, it's starting up again. 
whether it'll be done, how far it'll be done by the time the lines get here, probably not, not enough to to use that as an excuse. Uh, but the point being, if it is still low and if the if the infections aren't that high, you can put say ten thousand fans in a, a fifty thousand seat stadium, social distancing. I think there's a strong argument for that. Yeah, again, it's the government government hesitancy, and uh, yeah, we've had our government's been one of those that it's banned alcohol four times in in this last year in lockdown. It's banned a whole lot of tobacco and and a whole lot of stuff. And there's been other logical arguments against these bans. They haven't really worried. So I think it's like governments everywhere they do what they want, and you just hope they 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 help it. But I seriously hope we do get fans because that's hollow in stadiums without fans uh, and especially alliance to is something special and the sale of alcohol for even bringing back to your own house like it's been banned everywhere uh, we've had it's been quite funny i see how people have been uh because they banned it every restaurants uh, off sales everything um it's now it's now fine again but there's been periods for weeks that it's been banned you see people bring things like pineapple beer and uh, things like that in their home. Uh, yeah, people find ways of getting alcohol, so um, <laughs> that has happened. But, I mean, yeah, when you say when you say it's not really a contributor to COVID, they say it's, it's a contributor to people's behaviour, but that's a whole other argument, I suppose. The Irish government wouldn't be that brave. I'm pretty sure the government buildings here would get set on fire if they tried to do that, <laughs> even for 24 hours. But the... Yeah. Yeah, this, you know, the reality is, we're talking with fans, will there, won't there be, the reality is this Lions tour is going to be, it's going to be a strange one, you know, thankfully it's, it's, it's going ahead, but, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, we're all, you know, Thursday is the announcement for the players that are going from here, so all the focus here is, you know, who those guys are going to be, but from a South African uh, perspective, can you tell us, you know, any outsiders that might be kind of you know, bolters for that South African squad and who, who who might get in there and maybe might even feature in the in the test games? I think there's a couple. I mean, I, I think it's, it's it's the reality that the bulk of the team is going to be that World Cup winning team as well. Um, a lot of those guys who are playing in Europe and in Japan have been the stars of their clubs as well. Guys like Faf de Klerk and Kobus Reinach and, and, and those type of players will be there. Um yeah, in South Africa, that you'll have the same sort of front row in that. But um, if you look at players coming through, uh, if I look in the back line, the Sharks fullback, you probably saw of him yesterday. Um, Apalele Fassi, uh, he's he's quite a bolter as well. I think he'll be in that mix for the squad. Vili uh, Rouge still should be the starting fullback. He'll definitely be around. Damien Phillips, who played for the Stormers as well, be there as well. I think outside centre the the Lions Bulls game, you would have seen one to see Similani. He's a, a rising star, young talent. He should be there. Um, yeah, but it's, it's even if you look at the midfield. I mean, when you've got a Damien Delenda who's playing so well for Munster, and you've got an Andre Estes, and well, depending on what his band does now for him, um, yeah, you've already got two. 12s that are enough to play international rugby. So there's there's not a lot of place open for young stars there. Um, loose forwards, I can't see too many coming in. Um, same with the locks. I think most of the locks, depending on who's fit, if Eben and the Steph and 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 uh, Neumann and, and Luit Diago are fit, I think they're probably going to be there. So I don't think you're going to see too many bolters coming through in that in Springbok squad. Who do you think the two out halves will be? 
Uh, outside halves, you've been nine and ten. Ten, you, sorry, the two tens, two tens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Andre Pollard definitely be the one. Um, the other one might be a bolter, but it's not a youngster. Uh, it might be Mornay Stein. Um, no way. He's been playing pretty, pretty well for the Bulls, and uh, Franz Stein's another one that could fill that role as, as a backup. Um, uh, uh, other than that. Emin Willems has been around. He's quite a good utility as well. And Elton Yankees has now gone to 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 France to play, to get himself up to the level again to play against the Lions. So those are the real, I suppose, guys. Who and Bosch at the Sharks. I can't see I can't see Andre Pollard being too challenged in in his ten jersey. I think he'll if he's fit, he'll take it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Who do you think is going to win the tour? <laughs> Well, I'd, I'd be terrible if I said I said uh, the, the 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 it wouldn't be the Springboks, but I think it's going to be a no, very. No, Springboks don't really watch our shows, so you kind of have to say it's Ireland, or else we're just going to cut your internet connection. Well, it, it depends very much on the selection. I think I, I'd be more worried, and, and and I'll say this after watching the Six Nations this year, I'd be more worried. If there's more Welsh players in that team than there are England players. I think uh, the psychological thing of, of playing English players. Springboks, if I if I look at them, uh, Billy Vinopola has never really had a great test match against Springboks. Uh, he's a great player, but yeah, Wayne Vermeulen seems to have his number whenever they play against each other. Uh, so they're not that worried about the England players, I think, so much as the Wales, they always struggle against Wales. Um, in the World Cup semi-final, it was a horrible game to watch. Uh, the, the, and Warren Gatlin's way of playing with Wales is terrible to watch, but it's very effective. Uh, from a game point, game plan point of view. So I'd be more worried if there's more Welsh players there. I think should take it at home, uh, especially the two tests at altitude, if that's what's going to happen. Uh, I think those are going to be deciding ones, and I think they should be able to with that team of World Cup winners, providing they fit and, and yeah, they've had enough rugby, they should be able to take it. Yeah, I think that's the big concern. Like If you look at the Six Nations, um, England obviously had a very poor tournament, and the, the players... Their key players that really struggled were all Saracens players, like the likes of Vonapolo, yeah. uh, the Vonapolo brothers, Atoje. Um, they just, like Farrell, they just weren't match sharp. They hadn't played enough top level games. Um, and, it, you know, it, it fell on, their face, on the face for them. That could happen with South Africa. They mightn't, mightn't have the quality games. Like the French Barbarians aren't going to provide a good enough challenge. So unless it's going to be internal yeah. games, that has to be a big concern. I think it is a big concern. And I think it's something that we hope the Rainbow Cup would address. Yeah. If they had six or seven weeks against international opposition, it would have been a, a different story. But that's what they've got at the moment. They've got to deal with that. And, and I suppose time will tell whether it's going to be good enough. Which Irish guys do you think are going to feature on the, on the Lions tour? <laughs> Um, well, why, 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 do you, why do you have a bit of a, why are you, why are you giggling there? My question. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Irish rugby and even today I was watching Leinster as well. And I mean, uh, I, I haven't seen Leinster been harassed like that today for a long time. And, um, I, I think, I think the, the general guy, the two centers, um, Ringrose and, um, Shaw should be there. Um, I think, I think. I'm not sure if Johnny Sexton would make it, to be very honest, with those 10s there. I don't think he's nothing more. Connor Murray would be a definite selection at mine for me. Um, then the two tags, I'd say, uh, did I say, pronounce their name right? I never know if I'm pronouncing them right. Uh, the prop and the, and the, and the Tig, lock. Tig, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Tig would definitely go. 
Yeah. Two tags. And, and Henderson. Two uh, tags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that those would be, I think the, the ones would be there. There might be one or two outside ones that we don't see, but. Uh, do you think, uh, do you think I, CJ I will go? Those would be the bulk of do you think CJ Standard I will hope go? he'd go. Yeah. I really hope. I mean, I'm hoping he does, and I'm hoping Duan Finamava also gets in somewhere. I think it would help uh, raise a bit of the profile of, of the guys. Yeah, I think CJ's local knowledge will do wonders. And I think as a farewell, Iron was, I spoke to him a couple of months ago, and he said he'll even drive their bus for them around South Africa. <laughs> he could be on the tour. So I think he'd be, he's a, he, to me, he's a legend. Uh, you know, I, I worked with him as a junior at the Bulls. And I think if there's a player that deserves a send off, it's probably him. Very much so. Now, he'll be a huge loss to both Munster and Ireland. So, no, I think it would be a great send off for him. Be a nice way for him to send off. Yeah, he still has an opportunity to play a few monster games and maybe get a, a trophy in the Rainbow Cup with them. But I'll be interested to, to ask you, Brendan. So I remember we played um, New Zealand on a tour uh, in 2012, played in the three, three test tour. And being honest, bar Brian O'Driscoll and maybe Paul O'Connell um, and Ronan O'Gara, there was probably a, it was it was made pretty clear to us like that an awful lot of the players didn't really know much about us. You know, we knew so much about their team, you know, watched a lot of their players and all the rest. But is there an element of that in South Africa? Because you, in fairness, you did mention Henshaw there, but did you even know his first name? You are a journalist over there. Like, you know, is there, and I'm sure they will be looking at the guys, but, you know, do, do I feel that there's a respect up this way for South African rugby, and I, I'm, I'm not saying there's, there's a disrespect from your side, but maybe you don't watch us as closely as we watch you. I think what happens is, is uh, yeah, over here, the problem with it is more with the time zones, is that a lot of the games are taking place at the same time as the South African games take place. So South African fans generally watch more, um, you know, South African rugby. And when Pro 14 games take place, a lot of the times, evening games there are, are sort of 10 o'clock at night here in South Africa. So probably lose the bulk of your audience at times with that um so um and it's robbie henshaw isn't it <laughs> yeah and it's tig for a long time and uh, but but yeah i mean i I, th- I think there probably is i think there's more now that south african teams since south africa has been in pro 14 uh and and more sort of knowledge about the teams up north but Generally, we've also been, we played in Super Rugby, we've been more Southern Hemisphere focused, and that's a reality. I think there is a education process that we're going to have to have with South African fans over the next couple of years, uh, just to remind them who the teams are. Because I think if you talk to the average South African fan and you tell them who's the Dragons, they're not going to know who they are. Uh, um, I think they, last time they, Springboks toured Wales, for instance, um, talk to, to, to them that they're playing the Scarlets or the Dragons, I'm not going to know who those teams are. So you've got to get, do a bit of uh, <laughs> you know the Scarlets, education. The Scarlets won the league around three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I hear you say that, but I mean, remember the last uh, three years ago, South Africa's focus was very much super rugby and rugby championships. So it's going to be a re-education process there that we need to have. That's being very honest. We have to. That's fair enough. Just those players we've mentioned, you know, we're talking about CJ there, but, you know, you have the likes of, you know, Rickard Strauss and, and Quinn Rue as well, you know, South African-born guys, but through the residency rule, you know, they, they played a number of times for Ireland and were um, 
such great additions to the provinces, you know, and the country over here. What do you make of that? The project players um, that that come over to Ireland. Well, I think I think that's changed quite a bit. Um, I think a couple of years ago there used to be a bit of a resentment here in South Africa about it, about players going over there. Um, uh, I remember speaking to to a coach when John Klein went over, and, and um, they, they were well, you know, he's no big deal losing him because there's so many other forwards. But um, I, I think it's getting to a point where we we underst- you understand that it's a global market. It's a professional game. I mean. Uh, yeah, Pierce Kuman and, and Oli Kebel there in Scotland and those like Duan, those guys, those guys might have struggled to make the Springbok team. So if they've got an opportunity that side, why not? You know, they, it's a professional game. They they you still see them around here. They still come home every holiday. Uh, I think fans understand it a lot more than they did a lot a couple of years ago. Yeah, and the Lions tours. You know, you've probably been a journalist for a number of years. You know, were you you were you reporting on on the the, the past the, the the past couple of tours tours there? You know, you know, obviously you've had a couple of great. I was, ones a, I was a youngster. Two thousand nine, ninety seven. It was my, my second tour of my, my career was ninety seven. I was still a very young young journalist back then. Um, my, in fact, what my first tour I ever did was forty. Uh, <laughs> no, I was about twenty four, twenty five around there. But uh, yeah, yeah, my first tour, a week after I joined the the newspaper, I was thrown into the ninety six All Blacks tour, which was quite a, a sink or swim moment for me. And then the next year was the Lions tour. So I had a great start as a journalist to that career, and I also did two thousand nine as well. Um, yeah, but in a different capacity. I was a sports editor by that stage. Um, yeah, and, and for another paper. But I did do both tours. So this will be my third one, hopefully, if we get to go to the stadiums. <laughs> Not do everything on Zoom. I know. I think everyone is sick to the teeth of doing these these virtual calls. If there's if there's one area of the South African, this South African side, I know that they were outstanding in that final against England. And, I, you know, people are saying they might be a little bit undercooked. You are saying the same. They were warm up against USA. You know, will they go... You know, full board there selection wise, they might be minding guys as well that you know we're still carrying knocks. Where do you think the Lions can can target South Africa and go after them? Where do you think they have to to win the Test tour? Well, I, I think the, the thing with the, the way that South Africans, any rugby team that you play, that you, you know, coaches work out plans, coaches study them, and I think the next time you play a team, that's why it's always to me, those three Test contests are always so fascinating because. Uh, you can lose the first test, but the amount of work in that second week that gets done and working out the game plans and coming up with alternatives is, is huge in a team environment. And uh, I think if, from South Africa's point of view, the fact that they haven't played, they haven't had a chance to try out new things or maybe move their game along from the World Cup final. Um, you know, Warren Gatlin's going to, he's an astute coach. He's going to study that game down to every last second. If they're going to go in with the same thing, they can't be predictable. That's the thing to me. They're going to know their strengths. Their strength is their pack. Um, you know, they've got some great wingers outside. The Kanye Arm outside centre is playing some excellent rugby at the moment. But you've got to do something that's unpredictable in a test match. And and there's big moments are the moments that win tests. So, yeah, I, I'm worried that they haven't moved their game plan along as such uh, in terms of that and that, Warren Gatlin might have worked out quite a few counters to these sort of things, uh, which they haven't had chance to counter themselves in, in test matches. 
Fair enough. Could you, can you give me five certainties that you think are going to make it from the Northern Hemisphere on the Lions? Five certainties, in your opinion. <laughs> for, the, for the Lions squad? Yeah. Okay, let me, let me think. I, I think... Uh, Tag, anyway. Think... <laughs> 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 two tags, so that's two gone. <laughs> then you got... Um, <laughs> Then you got uh, Ricky R- Henshaw. Yeah, Rick, Ricky Henshaw, <laughs> like you mentioned. <laughs> Jason, Jason Sexton, I think he, he might go as well. Uh, I think Stuart Hogg will probably be there. I think Liam Williams will probably be there as well. Um, I think you need players that are good under the high, high ball at the back there. Um, and I'm not sure if a guy like um, he's played enough, enough rugby yet at the moment to be back. Um, What's his first name now? Yeah. Come on. What's his Mon- name? Manu. I think the journalists are usually yeah. the ones uh, ambushing yeah. the players. It's nice so to be on the other side for once. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think Owen Farrell will definitely be there. I think he's the one player South Africans love to hate, um, uh, especially after that that game against Wickenham a couple of years ago with Andre Estazen. Uh, he'll definitely be there. Conor Murray will definitely be there. Um, uh, to, to, uh, trying to see if I can pronounce it right. Taupe Fadatel, he'll be yeah. there. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I think I think the two the two England flankers, uh, Sam Underhill and uh, oh, Curry. One, other names, yeah, Tom Curry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they'll be there. Um, so yeah, and I, th- I think in the uh, uh, Jamie George will be there. I reckon and. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think now the other hooker's name. That's putting me on the spot. I don't have a... <laughs> ah, you've done, you've done well there. That's no, good going. through a fair few yeah. there. In fairness, who would be your five, Matt, do you yeah. think of Daphne Travel? I, I, I think Tyg, um, Tyg Furlong, Atoje, like just thinking down the spine of the team. I think Falatau, you know, Ken Owens, you know, the guys who played well in the Six Nations. That, the that's the name I was thinking of, Ken Owens. Yeah, Ken Owens. He's probably one of the... He's the only hooker that, like, like Jamie George mightn't necessarily go. He's a poor Six Nations. He hasn't played a whole lot for, obviously, mm-hmm. Saracens are, aren't in the, the top league in England. Um, they were relegated last year. So he hasn't played top-level rugby. So you're, you're, you're taking a big risk there. And, you know, Gatlin will have seen um, what happened to England and those guys not getting game time. I don't think he's going to take the same risk. He will maybe with one or two of them, the likes of Atoje, but I don't think he will with someone like Jamie George. Um, I think Farrell will still go, um, but he's not, he's not the same cert that he was last time around. We'll all know a lot more on Thursday anyway. Um, definitely some interesting calls there. Great stuff, Brendan. Cheers for coming on. Um, and we might catch up with you at some stage during the tour. Thanks, man. I'll be more prepared for my, my, my uh, Q&A then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. Pleasure, guys. Nice to you. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys, and cheers to everyone for watching and listening. A big thanks to producer Pat Paul, Anthony Dermott, and everyone that has helped getting this show together. This is House of Rugby Ireland, here on Joe. House of Rugby Ireland, here on Joe. Game changed. <laughs>